the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, from Spirit of the Lord Church. And uh, I just want to welcome you once again to our radio program. I have an announcement to make before we get started, and I just want to remind everyone that tomorrow uh, at Urban Refuge Church, 5501 Chicago Avenue South, we will be having a joint service, meaning all us Northsiders and everybody else are packing up, and we're going over to 55th in Chicago, and we're going to worship with the Urban Refuge, and uh, uh, this is like our fourth year uh, having a joint service centered around uh, Martin Luther King weekend. And, uh, and so we, we we've kind of grown so big that we've outgrown our church. So we have to we have to always do it at Urban Refuge, which is always a pleasure. They're great hosts, uh, great ministry. Uh, love Pastor Andy Gray very much and his staff, uh, my main man, Chad. Uh, and so if you come over, the service starts at 1015 and there's going to be a pot blessing afterwards. And uh, so we'll probably be around there till one one thirty and uh Enjoying a meal together, uh, just talking, sharing comments and things together. I know last year I met a lady who who actually uh, protested and went over the the the, 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 the Selma Bridge. She was in Selma, went over to Birmingham Bridge. And, uh, you know, she was a young girl, college student, young, young white college student, went over there and we had a great conversation. And uh, and so it's just a great time, a great time of worship, a great time of uh, sharing and preaching. And uh, and so, you know, come out and join us. I mean, even if it's your, it's your church and you can come and catch the tail end of the fellowship part, you know, please do that. Or, you know, ask your pastor for a pass. You know, just, I need a pass to go hang out with uh, Pastor Joe and Pastor Andy. And, and we're just going to celebrate Martin Luther King's weekend and celebrate the dream. Uh, today, uh, I have my my namesake with me, uh, you know, who goes by another handle. I let him introduce himself to you, you know, because. You know, it, my namesake, meaning Joseph, but he has another handle. It's kind of weird when you introduce it like that, but it's going to everybody. Joseph Sutton III, also known as Juice, the comedian. I am uh, I am blessed to be in the studio and blessed to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, is we're going to talk about uh, the life of Martin Luther King a little bit and, and why it's important to, to look at this and not just um, – you know, just think, say, hallelujah, I got a three-day weekend or a planet retreat or something <laughs> like that, uh, as we do, as we tend to do in most days, they get there. And not only is it a day is important for, uh, you know, for African-Americans, but it's just a day important for our nation because it was a turn in our nation's mentality on, on how we treat uh, those that are the lesser 
you know, numbers in there. You know what I mean? And so, so we had a majority culture and you have minority cultures and, you know, and, and how we treat, and we still have that battle in our culture today, how we view uh, people who, who are, you know, immigrants or who are over there and coming through. And, uh, and I think Dr. Martin Luther King life speaks a lot. It goes beyond, to me, it goes beyond civil rights, you know, as being born during that time. And, and, and I'm just going to just share a, a, a little bit and then I'll, I'll give uh, Juice an opportunity just to share some, some of his insights about Dr. Martin Luther King. But um, I was in second grade when Dr. Martin Luther King was killed. And, you know, I remember just watching news clips of him, you know, and, my, and I had to watch him because my parents were just enthralled with it, you know, and, and they were uh, always watching it and keeping track of it because they grew up in the South and they left the South because of the oppression of the South. They left and, and came up north you know, where there were where there were better opportunities and where they can work hard and, and, and get rewarded. Uh, if you ever listen to my show, you know, my, my dad, he got out of the military and came to Chicago and we lived on the west side for a while. Then I became a south sider and, uh, and my mother's still in the same house to this day. But, you know, he came and, you know, he opened up a, a, a little corner tavern and then he opened up a gas station and, and uh, you know, he just, just could work hard and, and make money, what he couldn't do in the south. And so, and we watched those clips and I couldn't feel their excitement for them. Having come from the South, they were excited to see the, the changes and things that were happening across the country. And, and I just knew my parents was happy. So I was happy. You know, I just like to listen to this guy talk. You know what I mean? We didn't go to church. So that was about the closest thing to church I got was watching clips of Dr. Martin Luther King. But the day he was assassinated, the community went up in an uproar all over the nation, went in an uproar. And I remember sitting, you know, I, I grew up in Catholic school. So, of course, most all our nuns were white. All our priests were white. And and people just hated white people. I mean, it just it didn't pay to be white in a black neighborhood anywhere around on that day. And I remember bricks coming through the window, you know, busting the windows. And uh, and and then uh you know, and, and everybody got scared and we were huddled out of the classroom. So, you know, we wouldn't get hit with glass, but they only broke like two windows before uh, the leaders of the mob calmed them down and, uh, and told them to leave, you know, leave the school and the church alone. And, uh, and they went after other businesses and institutions. And, uh, and that spoke to the church's reputation and community of, of always being there for the community, uh, you know, healing the community and, and, and offering things. It was always a uh, a safe place. You know, it, it sat right on the middle of two gang territories, but, you know, it was off limits. You know, you can go there and, and, and enjoy and play basketball or watch movies or roller skate and not be intimidated by what was going on. And, uh, and so, but I remember walking home scared because people were running all around, driving crazy, uh, you know, burning cars, and, you know, for somebody in second grade, you know, that's just like, you know, that's like, wow, what's going on? And I remember watching them loot stores, tearing down burglar bars and just it just was anarchy. You know, my cousins and them coming by with with all kind of new clothes and what they didn't broken warehouses and meat and everything with even grocery stores. This is just wow. It just was a wild time. And uh, and I didn't really understand the impact of it, but I could see the hurt in the adults around me, in their eyes, the hurt that was in their eyes that was there. And, and I don't know, I, I just became more and more interested in Dr. King and, and, 
you know, even had a round head like him. So they, I would always play Dr. King and, and, <laughs> and, uh, on, when we did plays or tributes or anything like that. And I remember we did a, I have a dream show and I got to doing the, I have a dream. I memorized the, I have a dream sermon and, uh, man, you know, and you, if you ever been to a black church and, and people was like, go ahead, preach it. They they was, they was, I was only supposed <laughs> to do like one paragraph, then a play, then another paragraph, then a skit, you know, mm-hmm. like that. But it got, I, they amped me up, man. I, <laughs> I I got to going past that one paragraph, and then all you can see is this nun's white hand reaching through the curtain trying to grab my collar to snatch me back <laughs> to stop me. But I was rolling, man. And people was like, preach it, boy. Preach it. Go ahead on. I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead on. They finally hooked me and got me out of there and told me one paragraph at a time, Mr. Sutton, one mm-hmm. paragraph at a time. But uh, it, it, it really enthralled me to the point where I remember walking in a snowstorm to go to a, a – a, a, a king uh, service, a tribute service, like the one we're doing this Sunday. We walked in a snowstorm like a mile and a half to go to this thing. And the energy that was in the room and appreciation for him, it hooked me and it turned me into a, uh, it turned me into a black history buff. It, it turned me into a little red, black and green militant. That's what it really turned me into, you know, because at the same time that Dr. King's message was being preached, then at the same time, the nation of Islam and Malcolm X was preaching, you know, you know, by any means necessary message. Then the Black Panthers were in, in our neighborhood and, and I was in a Black Panther group and, and they was teaching us, you know, by any means necessary, you know, you just got to take care of your business. So I had this 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 tear between the the spiritual and the physical, you know, and the thing that most people don't realize that Dr. King was a reverend. We love to leave that part out, you know, in our edit God out. You know, we can say God, but you can't say Jesus, but you couldn't go to a civil rights event and not hear Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, James Brown and Aretha Franklin, they wasn't up in there singing their songs. They were singing gospel songs. Mm-hmm. When they walked across that Selma's bridge, they wasn't, they wasn't singing. Give me some respect. You know what I mean? They was, they was, they were singing gospel songs. They called upon the Lord. You know what I mean? And that's what made the, in, in the South with that rich spiritual heritage, it, it 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 carried over and reminded people, and uh, and so you had ministers, SCLC, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, that led led the way because it was a group of ministers, and all those guys were ministers, and that not only gave their life to the Lord, but gave their life to fight for justice and things like that. So that's what impacted me the most as a as a little shorty living in that day, and it still impacts me a lot today. You know, I still read some of his sermons periodically. You know, I have a book of his sermons and speeches and and uh and it's just a a powerful thing to have lived through it and you know to go there so juice as one who didn't live through it mm-hmm. but has heard about it read about it watched movies about it uh what kind of impact uh did dr king's life leave on you i think uh coming from a perspective of kind of being the uh well, a pending end result of the fight that Dr. King had. I I found it very interesting. Like like my dad was saying, he's he was a very big black history buff, which therefore made us become black history buffs, whether we wanted to or not. <laughs> and uh so like reading all these stories and just seeing these 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 surreal moments in history, um, yeah, seeing Doctor King's life was kinda surreal for me especially as um 
the older I got, the younger I was, I didn't really understand it. Didn't really care for it because it's just like, okay, there's this guy, he did all these things. Cool. But the older I got, the more I started to see the world from a different perspective. I started to realize how much impact Dr. King had, especially as a Christian leader. Um, because yeah, like you were saying, people forget that his, he was a reverend, Dr. Martin Luther King. And, um, just seeing that someone who can who can create such a huge impact, a huge ripple in the world as it was back then, but kept it Christ centered with was an encouragement to me when I became serious about my faith and like with what I do, um, with his like stand up comedy is like he was in a worldly perspective. He was fighting for civil rights, but everyone knew his main center revolved around Christ. Everyone knew that he was speaking civil rights, but from like a biblical perspective. And so that kind of rang for me, the older I got was because it's like with what I do, like I can come from a biblical perspective and still be impactful just in a different way. And so being able to see the, the change in history that he made as a Christian was like, was like, crazy to me because it's like you you see these you see these different people you see these different leaders but like dr king was like one of those people that you knew was like yes that man is a, he's a man of faith like everywhere he went everywhere he spoke jesus was being spoken when he was at the white house in front of the um in front of the uh in dc when he gave his big speech like christ was still at the center of that speech and it's like that's something that we still talk about in school today, I mean, they still try to leave it out, but everybody <laughs> knows. But everybody knows, like, yes, Dr. King was a man of faith, and his legacy was a legacy of being a man of faith, and that's kind of something that we all want to strive to be as Christians is like a legacy that leaves a legacy of faith. And so it was a it was an encouragement to me to see that um, that everything that he had done, everything he had fight for, he still kept God first through everything that he was going through. And so, um, yeah, that's 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 one of the main encouragements that I see with his life as well as the impact. Um, I mean, we still got a ways to go, but the fact that how far we've come so far is just incredible. And seeing that this guy who who placed God above all things kind of was the was kind of one of the forefronters forerunners of that movement. Yeah. And when you look at your faith and, and how active your faith is in what you do. And and to get to that point where you're willing to lay down your life, you know, and uh, because he had to, his family had to give up their dad, mm-hmm. his wife had to give up her husband, you know, and is 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 are you that committed to what God has called you to, to stay the course? And we know a lot of people have have come out and and started off in their faith, and and then you know, because to gain more position or to gain more finances or to gain more popularity, they kind of start leaving their faith behind mm-hmm. and and it doesn't drive you to that point. And, and, and the one thing that I like about his life, that's a teaching point and not necessarily whether you're African American or not, that, you know, it's about civil rights. Civil rights was just a byproduct of what God was trying to do. You know, and that, like whether civil rights that came about or not was not the, the, the main message is to see what, a small group of people can do if they rely on God, you know, and that got kind of overshadowed 
in the in the mid sixties and and everything like that. And uh and and then the 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 the, po- the political side started kind of taking over the movement, mm-hmm. you know. But it, it, it we'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to Isaiah sixty one, the Radio Ministry of Spirit of Lord Church. Uh, we're coming at you talking about Martin Luther King's birthday this weekend, and uh, we'll be back after the break. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. We're in a very important business. To quote Dr. J. Vernon McGee, our business is to get the Word of God out so that he will have something to work with in the hearts of men and women of every language. This is Steve Schwetz for Through the Bible Radio, inviting you to join us for Dr. McGee's studies through the Word of God. And you'll learn about our ministry around the world in over a hundred languages and dialects. Listen to Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee, weekday mornings at 6 on AM 980, The Mission. Yeah, sideways. Yeah. Bump your song for intro, man. <laughs> hey, y'all, you doing? This is Joe Sutton at Isaiah 61 Radio. Just uh, putting a little bass in your Saturday afternoon. Hey, uh, just want to remind you once again about our joint service with Urban Refuge. Spirit of the Lord Church and Urban Refuge will be meeting at 5501 Chicago Avenue South. Uh, service starts at ten fifteen, and afterwards we'll have a pop lesson together. Everybody's bringing a dish, and man, food. it's like food. Yeah, that's right. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. And and then you know the hard part about being a pastor is everybody wants to ask you questions in the sanctuary. Mm. Well, all the kids that ran downstairs and they grabbing all the good dog food, mm. the chicken wings and everything. Yeah, all the hot food. By the time you get down the stairs after asking all these questions, the line Coleslaw is the and line. Potato salad <laughs> left over. <laughs> I become a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I, I, you know, just in thinking about, uh, you know, uh, this multi generational approach to to what Dr. King did as one who was alive when it happened. And then talking to, you know, my son who gets to see the fruit of it happen. You know, I remember driving around on this day with your headlights on, you know, to honor the holiday when you're trying to get it to be passed as a holiday. And uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of conflict over uh, what holiday it was going to bump out. You know, they kind of took some President's Days and made, made it all President's Day as opposed to Lincoln's Day or whoever particular day it was. And, um, you know, it wasn't always well received. You know, the message in the South is different than the message in the North. You know, uh, I just want to share with you a little story, uh, just what impacts my family and drives us to do what we do. Um, My grandfather, Joseph Sutton, Joseph Samuel Sutton. You have Joseph Samuel, Joseph Kinesis, and then Joseph Oliver, you know. But he uh, taught at a Negro school in Humphreys County, Mississippi, right outside of that's the catfish capital of the world. Uh, and so he was he collected money from people and uh, to help train children 
when they weren't working in the cotton fields. Most of them were on uh, sharecropping, uh, sophisticated slavery slash plantations, and they couldn't get education. So he brought education to them. And, you know, he taught them such things as canning and cooking and woodworking and, and things like that. And then he also taught them math, reading and writing. And, uh, and so the school became so popular that my grandfather started sending people off to college. The only college you can go to back then was a, a black college. So he started sending them off to historically black colleges like Tougaloo, uh, Alcorn State, uh, you know, Florida A&M. And then so he ended up becoming the first black principal in Jackson, Mississippi at uh, Brinkley High School. And one of the things that we've always done as a family is that we've always made education our point and not education for us because we don't have a problem with education. You know what I mean? But we make sure that we educate those around us that don't have the same access to that. That's what my grandfather did. Uh, my father didn't do that. My father went into the uh, the other kind of spiritual life. He went into the beer, wine and spirit life. And uh, <laughs> I came back to the spiritual life. And that's why we run the program that we run uh, three deep. And we go there and helping kids understand the benefit of uh, ed- education, exercise, and purpose. Uh, that's a goal of our family. That's, a, that's a, what God has called us to, and that's what we do. And uh, and when I look at the life of Dr. Martin Luther King and, and how he has helped that because he's given us access that we're no longer limited in the colleges that we go to. But I'll be honest with you, I just wish that every African-American would go to a historically black college university. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's just my personal opinion. And, uh, and so, but you know, not my sons, he didn't go to one. We'll talk about that later. And, uh, and so in getting there, but and when you look at your future juice and you look at your future and what you plan on doing, not just through comedy, but how you serve, you know, how can you keep King's dream alive? I think, um, like you were saying, it all goes back to service um and just and just being well informed well educated as well as far as what that belief system was especially from a christian perspective um and one of my biggest things and one thing that i always pray about is to always keep god at the center of everything that i do um no matter what atmosphere i'm in no matter where like wherever i go like with with what I do in life, I want to always keep God at the center and never have it um, stray away from that. And I feel like that's like one of the things that I've learned a lot from Dr. King is, um, like I was saying before, is his his ability to to keep his faith at the center of everything he did, no matter how big the limelight got, no matter how many interviews or TV programs he was on, it was always about God and that's that's kind of I want to be a living testimony of that of not only keeping Dr. King's dream alive but God's purpose in me alive by always keeping God at the center of everything that I do and so when people see me or see no matter where this career goes or wherever I go in life people be like he didn't do that on his own he's a man of faith and so that's that's kind of how I want my legacy um, to be remembered is a man of faith who just so happened to be a comedian, a comedian. or whatever. So, well, I, I noticed that most of the, you just, you just did a show mm-hmm. at Roseville Baptist. Yep. Now, Roseville Baptist is not in the hood. Not right? at all. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, 
I, you know, you had you had a mixed multitude there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was blacks and whites and browns dwelling together, coming together to laugh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and to laugh. And, and and part of his dream was to see us be able to come together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and so I, I enjoy that in, in in what you do, your ability to bring people of different hues together mm-hmm. and and to enjoy life and to. And, and to get there. And that's part of his dream. Part of his dream. Because back then, you, you couldn't mix. You yeah. couldn't even shop together. You couldn't do anything together. You just couldn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, and so seeing you do that, it, it, it's it's refreshing to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of worth, well, well, almost worth going to Northwestern. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, any closing comments as we wind down this show? Uh, uh, yeah. Like coming going back to what you were saying, uh, so the the tour that we're on is the Brotherly Love Comedy Tour, and that's kind of our our mission is to unite people of all cultures um, to come together and laugh as one. Um, and we're all a body of Christ, even though we got different colors. We all got different parts of our body, but yeah. So that's what we do, and yeah, it is an honor to Dr. Martin Luther King once again. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, hey, you can find him on YouTube on the Juice. To, uh, on the, uh, what Juice the Comedian. Juice the Comedian. Yep, and Facebook as and well. And Facebook, Juice the Comedian. Uh, he'll be with me next week. Uh, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.